Welcome to the Jada Edwards Podcast, where I get to take a few moments to share with you what God is sharing with me. Well, I do see um, one on here. It's uh, your thoughts on online dating. Mm. Dating in the digital age world, all that good stuff. Dating on Zoom, or all the Tinders, the Bumbles, uh, the... The Tinders. Okay, yes, for, for those of, who are those. enjoying the audio version of this, my face is sad. <laughs> um, because I'm not opposed to it. Um, I think that, I don't say, I don't know that I would suggest that as my first um, option, because I, man, it's hard. It's really hard. I've seen it go well, and um, those are people really committed to getting to know each other. They got covering. Somebody else has access to their profile, and they chat. I mean, like, you got to be all about exposure and vulnerability uh, when no one else can lay eyes on the person that you're that you're with. Or, you know, if they're local, then how do they get involved in your community? So I, I'm not opposed to it. I don't know that I'm an advocate of it. I'm probably neutral. So, so I'll probably say I understand the the nature of the society we're living in. I just want to make sure it's not um, a subtle way to try to manipulate the hand of God. And so I think sometimes um, we're doing that because we're not trusting that whatever the Lord has for us, he has it for us in our current sphere or, or spaces. And so it's you, just like with anything else, you got to check your heart. It's just it's no different than I'm going to go to this other church because there's a lot of single people at that church. You know, you, sometimes we're starting to do stuff to try to, um, you know, create opportunities. And I, you got to make sure it's just not a trust issue. And then if you engage in those things, um, being wise, the, the challenge with it, again, not impossible, but there's a set of challenges that come with that, and that is the emotional vulnerability and exposure, because those relationships are primarily talking and writing and all that kind of stuff. You, you may not be seeing that person, um, or maybe you met online and now you're in person. The thing about it is, I do think one healthy part of dating, <clears throat> and I talk about community a lot, but it's not just community that surrounds you and gives you guidance, but it's community who looks at that person and says, oh, she, I like her, but something is not adding up. Or I like him, but something's not adding up. Um, <laughs> Conway and I were dating. We exchanged our best friend's phone numbers. And I never forget, I was on the phone with a couple of guys that he lived with, and I was like, now what? What's the deal? And uh, they told me the deal, too. Um, they did tell me the deal. And he called some of my friends, and they, I would, I'd, I'd get a phone call, because it was before texting, and they were like, I talked to Conway today. I was like, what did he say? What did you say? Do you have my back? You know, so. But that became um, important for us because when we started hanging out too late on the phone, one, a couple of times our friends were like, hey. His friend was like, hey, y'all kind of came in late. Was he with you? I was like, Jermaine, get out of ours. He said, oh, no, I'm in it. And so uh, that was helpful for us. Um, so with online dating, I think, it's not impossible, but those challenges you have to keep in mind. Can Who can see this person? Who can be around this person? And not just, let's go to dinner with my friends. There's something about passive interaction where you just see people living their life. That's where you get a more true picture of who they are, not when they're putting on their face for, for dinner or an outing. So that those are the challenges. I don't think it's impossible. Not an advocate, not opposed, neutral. Do you, go with God. Just do your best, but check your heart. Make sure you're not trying to, you know, advance your own plan. Yeah, that's good. Neutral. I had to be neutral. Just neutral. <laughs> cool. I'm not going to tell them to start emailing church. <laughs> they don't believe in online dating. What kind of Jesus? <laughs> yeah. 
Gotcha, gotcha. So you, you kind of always see in culture, and this is kind of uh, one of the questions that we had too, where we kind of have like lists, right, mm -hmm. of love. What we want in a woman, what we want in a man. So is it is it ever okay to go to God and ask him, God, I want this, 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 and either a husband or a wife. So is it ever okay to go to God with our, our list? Um, I, I don't really have a problem with the list as long as you realize your list is the secondary list, that God's list is the primary list, and that you're like, I, I want integrity, spiritual growth, I want this. And by the way, I'm not mad if he tall, you know, so I don't. I don't, I really do think you make your request known to the Lord. I really do. I don't have any problem with that because I just don't want that list to trump God's list. Um, I think it's okay to be like, God, I really want somebody that wants to foster kids one day. I really want somebody that loves this. You may not get it, but I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong, anything wrong asking for it. I actually found a journal entry in my journal uh, like a year before I dated Conway. And I already knew, the Lord already knew I wanted somebody godly. I wasn't fooling with these jokers. And so... I wasn't. I mean, we date. I dated a couple of times, and I was like, I'm not. I can't bring you home. Goodbye, sir. Um, <clears throat> and so I don't know why. One day I was just frustrated, and I was like, <laughs> I used to love reggae, y'all. I'm telling all my business. Well, I don't. I still love reggae. I used to go to reggae clubs, and so uh, you can't do that now. There's a lot of side effects happening in reggae clubs. But when I was in college, uh, thought you know had a good immune system, right? <laughs> I love reggae music, and most of the time, reggae clubs are like smashed up, violating health clothes, it's hot, it's just, but the music's so great. And I'll never forget hanging out with my friends there one night. And then, you know, you meet people, and you're like, I'm never gonna talk to you. Um, and I remember, I don't know why I was so frustrated, but I went home that night and wrote in my journal. I was like, why can't I not just have a six-foot Jamaican man that loves Jesus? And I am not kidding you. And I don't even think it was that deep because I don't ever remember praying that prayer. I just was frustrated that people who liked what I liked were a foolish mess. And sometimes I think that's just like the icing that God gives. You know, he'd give you the little thing and he'd be like, girl, I remember when you said that, you know. And I didn't even realize it until we'd been married a while and I found that journal. So I say that because I think it's okay to make known your preferences, you know, um, but they just can't become like your principles. You got to know what's what, because a lot of times we're making decisions based on preference as opposed to being driven by that real principle. Like this is a good, this is a good spouse. This is who the Lord is bringing you. And yes, they're shorter than you thought, or yes, she has a kid or yes, he's divorced. Or yeah, yes, not the package that you thought, but this is, this is it right here. So I think it's cool to have them, but don't let them become the main thing. Yeah. No, that's really good. Um, let's see, someone is asking here in the chat. Let's see, if women shouldn't initiate, so this goes back to the initiation question. If women shouldn't initiate, is there any way women can express interest in a man? That's initiating, though. That's right? initiate. That's still yeah. initiating. Now, now, I think that, again, God is sovereign. And when you stay in your lane, you'd be surprised what God does. There's nothing wrong with telling your friend or, or telling you know, someone that you guys have in common. But it's not like, tell Marcus I like him. You know, it's, I think, you know, if the situation presents itself and you can be open and honest about an attraction, I think, I think that's fine. But if you're still trying to make sure he knows this so then he can come talk to you, it's just, man, it's just such a setup for a really hard time, a really hard time. Um, I, I've just seen God work it out when you're just faithful. 
when you're just faithful. I remember when Kawa and I were dating, our youth pastor at the time, the, the pastor of our student ministry at that church, came to me and he was like, guess who like you? Now, Kawa didn't know he was doing this because, you know, he had a whole plan. He had a whole system. And so I was like, who? And then when he told me, I was like, who? <laughs> so, because he was relatively new to our church and I grew up in that church. And so he explained him to me and I was like, Okay, you know, and so some time passed, you know, and then this dude was being messy again, and somehow he was like, oh, I left something in my office. Let's walk here in the back, and Conway worked back there, so I'm walking through, and then the guy goes, oh, my gosh, look who's sitting right here, and I was like, (laughs) messy, but I'll I'll never forget one of our first phone calls. Um, Me and Conway, we argued a lot, too, because we had that kind of relationship, like, uh uh-uh. You, so yeah story of our lives so he, he said to me this wasn't really my plan because I think so-and-so was out of turn he said but God is sovereign and here we are you know so I think we underestimate the providence and sovereignty of God I think we just feel like I have to do all these helping things and I think anybody in this room can look back over anything significant and important in their lives and realize how little they actually had to do with it how little, how much it was God orchestrating it this on this day and you ran into this person. How, man, it's God. And, and you can't start excluding him when it comes to relationships because he's not moving at your pace. Because then it's going to be hard to invite him back in because you're going to need him in a crisis. So just bring him in on the front end, do it his way, his pace, and you just, you'll have more peace. <laughs> you just will. So, yeah, you got to be careful with that. Hey, that's really good. Um, so you, you kind of mentioned uh, coverings, right? coverings mm-hmm. and, and, and how do we go about trying to find a, a spiritual covering over our life. So h- how do we do it? You know, what, what is a spiritual covering? How do we go about finding one and even the benefits of even having a spiritual covering? Yeah. So uh, scripture talks about the idea of uh, uh, leaving and cleaving. And so <clears throat> other than Adam and Eve, who didn't have, you know, human parents, um, after that, you had this idea of a paternal covering, you know, where um, in some cultures it was to the point where marriages were arranged or, you know, there was this looking out, there was this discussion between the two coverings about what would happen with those that they, they were responsible for. And so I think the principle is still valid for us today. I, I think that covering is not necessarily this, I check in with this person every day and every week and all that stuff. It's finding, for women and for men, finding a godly man or godly couple that you can consult with, that can be available to you should you enter a dating relationship or um, even before dating, that they kind of can check in and know what's going on in your life. Um, Women, I think it's beneficial for other reasons because I think for single women who don't have active uh, fathers in their lives, stepfather, uncle, whoever, somebody, or don't live near them, it's helpful to have a godly couple that just knows, you know, where you live and when you get off work and just practical things, you know. So I think it's just there's a matter of protection there. But when it comes to dating and emotions, I think covering is really important um, because if if you don't have anything that you need to leave, then you'll cleave to anything. You need to have something of value, something, someone that says, I got her or I got him so great that what you bring in needs to be greater than what I got. So it can't just be I'm out here like an orphan, um, but that paternal role is really important. Uh, as a matter of fact, the church 
the main call of the church in scripture is to care for widows and orphans, right? Widows, wives without, wives whose husbands have passed, and orphans were not considered motherless children, but fatherless children. So even a child who had a mother was considered an orphan. And so it's because that role of paternal covering is so significant. And so you may not find, it doesn't need to be a pastor or a minister or a seminarian. It just needs to be somebody who loves Jesus and is going to do their best. Because the thing that I've learned, um, it's important, y'all. The thing that I've learned, my father, who is a Christian, who is a Christian, he's not a minister, not a pastor. He just, he that dude, and he's a Christian. And I'll never forget a couple of instances that he really saved me, you know, and he didn't even realize he was doing it. I was 24. I had moved back home. I'd already had a condo, lived my best life, sold a condo. I was living there temporarily until I found my new place. And I had met a guy, and he was kind of like semi-famous, gospel famous. And so he was doing some play or something, and they were traveling, and they were in town for a few days. And because they were in town for a few days, he didn't have a vehicle, right? So he didn't have a car. And so he was with this group of actors and singers or whatever. And so he went to, I met him at a friend's house, and he was like, well, let's go out to eat. And I was like, sure, whatever. And I remember, y'all, I was 24 years old. You can tell me I wasn't grown. And so my dad is sitting on the couch watching TV. And I don't even know why he was paying attention to me. I'm walking out the front door. It had to be like 8 o'clock. And he just said, where are you going? Like, he never asked that question. I was grown, right? And so he asked the question. I was like, oh, I'm going to meet a friend. And, you know, he's like, who? <laughs> so I was like, this guy, a guy? Why are you not coming over here? And I was like, because he kind of famous and he don't have a car. And I was like, James Coben was not tearing. He was like, miss me with that. He was like, if he know that many people, he couldn't have borrowed a car to come pick you up. He said, when I didn't have any money, I borrowed my friend's car and took your mother. I was like, oh, Lord, here we go. So I had to call this man and tell him, I cannot go with you. And he was like, why? And me, 24, because my daddy said so. <laughs> And so he was like, for real? I said, yes. Can you just borrow your friend's car or something? He was like, well, I don't, I don't think I can. Now it's too late. And I was like, oh, well. And when I tell you, I'm not going to throw any shade. But years later, I dodged a bullet. I dodged a bullet. And I say that because it wasn't that my dad was spouting scripture and knew all the right things. And it's not because my parents' marriage was perfect. It's because he had vested interest in me. And we need people, men and women, we need men who have vested interest in us and love the Lord. Because they will protect you even when they don't know they're doing it. Because that's just how God works through his order. So I think it's really important. And if you don't have it, pray for it. Sometimes it's an older cousin. Sometimes it's a stepbrother. Sometimes you have a sibling that's either older than you or mature enough to do that for you. Father, uncle. You know, if it's not family, I strongly suggest that that man is married um, because you need, to, you need to have it. It needs to be on the up and up, and his wife needs to be involved. In. But, I mean, I think it's important. I really, really do. I think not having someone that can walk you down the aisle is a sign for what's going to happen after the aisle. I really, really do. And so, again, God can work it out. God can do it. He can fix it, all those things. But if you can be ahead of that, I would strongly encourage a covering. Yeah. Again, that covering piece. You were talking earlier, though, about baggage, right? Yeah. Um, we, all, <laughs> we all have it. We all come in with it. Um, how can you, what if part of your baggage is um, being hurt in the past, rejected, abandoned, neglected, all of that, um, and uh, you're in a relationship, it's great. How do you fight the urge to, self, to not self-sabotage? 
um, because you have that fear of getting hurt? Yeah. Um, I think that's really hard once you get in a relationship. Um, I, I really emphasize that health on the front end, like being in a good place and having community that knows what your stuff is and say, hey, I'm about to start hanging out with this person or dating this person so they can say, now, don't forget, you know, like these things gonna send you, you know, <laughs> or how know y'all talking and he has what? Oh Lord, you know, here we, because they, you need people that's gonna be like, mm-mm, mm-mm, he has a lot of money. You know how you are about people with money. Y'all about to be lost in some la-la land because if that's your thing, and you like money, you like nice things, and you meet somebody very successful, it's gonna skew your judgment. So you need people around you who know when people are not just uh, poking at your baggage, but maybe poking at the good things too that, that have gone too far. So I think the self-sabotaging piece is obviously that constant inner work that we have to do, but then having community that can that can see what's coming and, and say, eh, we need to pump the brakes on this a little bit. Um, because one sign that I'm not really healed and healthy is that I am fearful that my past is gonna repeat itself in this relationship. If that's what I'm thinking about going in, it, we're not gonna be in a good place. Um, because then everything becomes a sign. You know, that's what so-and-so did. Mm -hmm. And so wisdom and discernment is good, but not prejudice, right? You don't wanna come in prejudging and saying, this is what, what I'm expecting. And so I think that baggage thing is something that you work on for the rest of your life, but I do think you get to a good place where you're like, okay, I think I could have someone else in my life. Um, and that, that just comes from a lot of internal hard work and having godly people who are gonna tell you the truth, really. And the Holy Spirit will tell you. He will tell you. Or make it very difficult to be in a relationship. And then we just be going around all the warning signs. Um, so yeah, I think the baggage thing is, is a huge, huge piece because it's hard to work through that with somebody else close to you. Um, so That's good, Jada. So Jada, we, we covered a lot. You know, in, in this out. in this time frame, and, and I know it's been helpful for for everyone. But just just to give a final thought, final encouragement for the person that might have might, might have had a, a bad past, or might have had made some mistakes in in dating and in relationships, or they, or they might just be in a in a waiting season mm -hmm. per se. What's the what's the encouragement that you would give? What's even the hope that you would give as we're moving forward in this in this season? Yeah. So I think that you know contentment and joy and peace and all those things those are promises for the believer, that they're not contingent on jobs and education, marriage, kids, health, they're not contingent on any of those things. They're promises that we have in Christ. And so if, I'm, if you find yourself in a place um, anemic in any of those areas, it's not a life situation. That's a spirit situation. And so that's a place that we need to lean into. If you're struggling with joy, struggling with peace, struggling with contentment, all those things, those are non-negotiable, unconditional promises for every believer. And they have nothing to do with what's happening or what has happened in life. And so I think that is the first work that we have to do. Am I realizing the fruit of the spirit? Do I have the joy of the Lord? Do I have the peace of the Lord? Do I feel like I'm on mission from God? Because you need all those things so you can be a whole person. And, and, and should the Lord bring an, another person, number one, whole people only want other whole people. Number one. When you have and three-fourths three and two-thirds and all that stuff, you're looking for the one-third. That's what happens. So then you get these two fractions of people, and for a while it works. But guess what? When two-thirds start growing, you're like, I don't need your one-third anymore. Why are you not growing? One-third start growing, and two-thirds are women. You're taking up my, you're taking up my space. Two whole people know that we can, we can line this thing up um, and honor the Lord. 
when we're not whole, we're looking for people to fill certain spots, and it's just going to go bad. They're either going to fill it, and then God is not, or they're going to fill it for a while, and it's going to fail, or we're going to grow and become more mature, and then it's just a mess. And so you need to be whole, because when you are, and you have this enjoyment in your own life, you don't settle for fractions. I mean, when I'm full, and, and I'm satisfied, there are very few things that you can set in front of me on a plate, and I want to eat. When I'm full. When I'm full, it's got to be my favorite dessert or my favorite meal cooked just because I'm selective when I'm satisfied. When you're not satisfied and I stay hungry, you know when you're hungry, you start pulling in anywhere, eating junk you haven't eaten in forever, and you got to just go by the Toms in the same day because you know you're eating bad. How did I end up here? You know, and so satisfaction, like I love my own life. So if you're coming into it, you have to make it better. God has to be telling me that my life, the plan he has for it, it will be better with you, that you're not going to suck any of the joy I already have in my life. If you don't fully love your life, then people start looking like solutions, and they're not. They're not. So I think that satisfaction piece is so critical because I'm whole and I'm healthy without you. And guess what that means? Two whole people get married. It's great. God's glorified, doing big things for God. When one of those people becomes broken and I'm whole, I don't have to be their healer. They don't, it didn't change the trajectory of my life because they failed and made a mistake. It's going to happen. I can still love the Lord. I don't have to be depressed. I don't, it changes the game when you're as whole as possible going into a marriage. And so I would just say that contentment, lean into the promises of Christ, of the believer. And then should he bring a spouse your way, I think you'll be set up for a much healthier life than if, if you're not. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, make sure and leave a comment or review and share and subscribe. Have a great one.